well, we're going to celebrate communion together because that's really what it's about, what the Lord did for us in his death and resurrection. You know, we celebrate Christmas, which we are still celebrating Christmas. We're in the 12 days of Christmas, so we're still in the Christmas season until uh, uh, the, the, the Feast of the Epiphany. So, but the whole, and we celebrate his incarnation that God became man in Jesus. The whole reason for that, I mean, there's a lot of things he did. He came and he showed us how to live. He showed us what, what mankind was supposed to be like. He, he, uh, you know, he, he healed the pain in our lives and, and, and uh, uh, healed people's suffering and all of that. But the main thing that he did and the reason that he came was to go so that Jesus would go to the cross, have his, lay down his life, and then be raised from the third day. And that's what we celebrate every time we take communion together. So I want to read what the Apostle Paul said about this. And this is something that, you know, Paul wasn't there. Uh, you know, obviously, if you know the story, Paul used to persecute the church. And then Jesus appeared to him uh, on, on uh, uh, the road to Damascus, and he had a, conver a powerful conversion experience. Then... Paul spent time with the resurrected Jesus appearing to him and instructing him and teaching him, spent three years with him, so uh, just, you know, before he started any ministry. And this, so this, what Paul writes, comes directly from uh, what Jesus told him. He says that in verse, 1 Corinthians verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 23, says, For I received from the Lord... What I also passed on to you. So Paul received it from the Lord. He passed it on to the Corinthian church. And he says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This body, this is my body, which is broken for you. He did it for us. He says, Do this in remembrance of me. Peel off the bottom section of the cup. Let's take the bread together. Then he says, in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me take the top paper off everybody got it this is why he came let's take the cup together Lord Jesus, may we never forget what you did for us on that day so long ago. <clears throat> may we never forget that you laid down your life for us. And through your resurrection, you broke the power of sin and death. 
May we never forget. May we never take it for granted. May we never treat it lightly. You did that for us. You did that for everyone in this room. You did that for me. And our hearts are filled with gratitude. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And you do so much more for us. More than we could ever ask or imagine. But it started right here. With you coming to earth as a man. Surrendering to the cross. Spending time in the grave. And then coming back to life after being dead. And Lord, we look for that day when you are going to return. We look for that day when you're going to physically come back to earth to rule and to reign and to conquer evil once and for all to put it out of here. We love you, Lord, and we owe you everything. So receive our love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, those of you uh, who uh, purchased memorial um, poinsettias, yes, red things, poinsettias, uh, be sure to take them with you. Uh, I think we have some still here that, that you know, were not named by anybody, so uh, anybody else that wants to take one, go ahead and uh, go ahead and, and take it home because... Uh, this is the last week for them, so want to make sure that, that you know that, and if your name's on one, want to make sure that, that uh, you get that. Um, take it home, and like I say, we still got some days left in the Christmas season, and even after that, they're beautiful flowers, and you, know, you just water them with a few ice cubes every two or three days, and um, they'll last for a long time. want to remind you that we have... Three ways that we worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Electronically at our website, bloomingtonvineyard.com. Uh, or uh, you can uh, write a check or put it in, put it in the uh, offering in the black boxes at the doors on your way out. Uh, or uh, we have uh, the U.S. Postal Service, if you want to mail to our check to our post office box, 3277. Um, we would uh, appreciate that. Um, today. So can we, we're going to, I want to get ready to, to, to share, um, but let's just, let's just pray.
I'm feeling a little rushed this morning, honestly. Some mornings I come in and I'm just like rushed and it's hard to just slow down. And uh, so, Lord, quiet my heart. Quiet our hearts. Help us to be still and just know that you are Lord, that you are God. Let your presence rest on each one of us. Help us to not be in such a hurry, Lord that we can't take time to just slow down and be in your presence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I throw this challenge out every year, uh, the beginning, end of the year, beginning of the next year, um, and I want to throw it out again. I've already I mentioned it on Facebook and that, and, and I would encourage you to set a goal for this year of one of two things. If you've been a believer for a while uh, and have never read through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament both, that I would encourage you to get on a Bible plan to take you through and to read it this year for the first time. Or if you've done it before, I know a number of you have already done that, do it again. This is something I've been doing every year for I don't know how many years, but it is life transforming. You know, so many times, ah, thank you, ah, thank you. So many times, we'll hear something in the Bible, and it's like, we hear a part of something, and it sounds good, but we fail to see how that part fits into the whole of Scripture. Now, none of us are going to read through the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, and understand everything that you read. Um, so I would say don't be intimidated by that, though. Don't be intimidated by it. Just, just, you know, read through it, and, you know, eventually we begin to see the story develop, the story of God's love for mankind and God's redemption of mankind, and we see that as we go through it. Um, so I, I would... Uh, I, I would encourage you get on a plan. Or if you're brand new to the Bible and you haven't read much at all, go through the New Testament, starting with the Gospels. Just go through the New Testament and read it. You'll see the story of Jesus' life, the historical accounts. Not I, I hesitate, story. It is a story, but it's a it's a historical account of Jesus's life from four different perspectives, from the perspective of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
You'll see the, the account of his life and then the beginning of the early church, the beginning of the, the birth of the church as you move into the book of Acts. And then, and then the epistles or the letters that the apostles wrote to the churches to, to help them to figure all this out and give them instruction on how, how learning you know, how to read it. And, and then uh, the revelation at the end of the book is amazing. You know, A lot of people are intimidated by that book. Um, and I can understand that because there's a lot of prophetic language, there's a lot of symbolism, there's a lot of things in that, but I've never read through it without getting something out of it and without God speaking to me in some area. So, you know, don't be afraid of it. In fact, there's a blessing to those who read it out loud, and there's a blessing to those who hear it and take it to heart, take heed. Uh, the words in that book. So, but read through the New Testament. Make this be the year that you've read through it. You're going to see some things that will surprise you. Uh, so I, I, I just want to throw out that challenge. It's not, you know, it's the beginning of the year, only two days into the year. Pick a plan, go to the YouVersion uh, Bible app, and pick a plan and see what, uh, uh, see what happens when you spend that time in the Word. All right. Last week we began a new series, calling it Ready or Not, because for the next few weeks we're going to be talking about Christ's return. We call it the second coming. We're going to be talking about that day when he returns to earth, not as a baby born in a manger, but as a triumphant king. And as we talk about that, there are a number of passages which automatically come to mind. There are a number of passages we think of, you know, from, from uh, 1 Thessalonians or, or, you know, maybe the Gospel of Matthew or, 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 or whatever. There's, throughout the, the New Testament, there are a number of, of, of passages or verses which come to mind. The passage that we're going to look at today is typically not one of those passages, Okay, it's not one that we normally think of, uh, and yet it has everything to do with whether or not we will be ready when that day comes. Because whether we like it or not, whether we are ready or not, he is coming back. And at that moment, we will either be ready or we will not be ready. And we want to assure that we are ready for his return. So we're going to look at this passage. It's in Luke chapter 4. And... Uh, your outline may say Luke, oh, I see Susie corrected my notes. So yes, it's Luke chapter 4, verses 46 to 49. This is what Jesus said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now as we look at this story, we see two types of people here. We see, and both of them are building houses. One of them digs down deep 
And that person's house has a solid foundation. Jesus says it was well built because its foundation was on rock. It was unshakable. It had a solid foundation. The other person didn't bother with the proper foundation. He just built it on the ground. And, you know, we don't know a lot about else about the houses. They may have been in similar shape and size. They may have been had a similar design, same floor pattern. You know, they may have been identical in every other detail. We don't know. You know, the quality of construction from the ground up may have been of equal quality. We're not told whether or not it was. We are just told about the foundation because that's what Jesus is focusing on here. The foundation of, uh, upon which each house was built. And then there's one other thing we're told. A flood came and struck both houses. And what followed the flood was a very different outcome for each house. Now, of course, this is referring to our lives. Jesus isn't talking about how houses are built. I mean, yes, he was a carpenter, but he wasn't talking about how houses are built. He's giving a picture of our lives, your life and my life, and the foundation that they're built on. And as we talk at this, you know, in this series, we're talking about end times. And to be clear, you know, when we talk biblically, biblically speaking, we've been living in the end times ever since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The time we are living and have been ever since then are considered the end times. But in this series, we're primarily focusing at the end of the end times, okay, what we typically think of during that end. And, and, you know, when that day comes, when Christ comes back, the foundation upon which we built our lives will be revealed. Now, I want us to look at this passage through the filter of Christ's return and the time immediately preceding that to see what we can learn and how we can apply it to our lives. And to begin with, the first thing we must know, and we must be clear about this, is that we must know that strong storms are going to come. Floods are going to come. This is true all throughout our lives, not just at the end, but this is true all throughout our lives. Storms are going to come into our lives. Floodwaters are going to try to engulf us. There is no opting out. When the floods came, the waters hit whatever it was in its path. There was no stopping it. You know, when these two houses that, that Jesus is talking about, when the floods came, there wasn't any stopping the water. It was coming, and it was coming for whatever was in its path. It was hitting both, both houses. No stopping it. When, um, when I was little, when I was a baby, my parents, uh, my parents' home in Speedway, Indiana, was flooded by Eagle Creek Reservoir. It, it, you know, Eagle Creek flooded over, and you know, we were ready to go on vacation. We were going to leave that night to go on vacation to Buffalo, hottest vacation spot in the world, uh, at least when most of your family is there. Uh, but we were going, getting ready to leave. Car was all packed for vacation. It was sitting in the driveway. And my dad gets a phone call that caused him to go and look out the front door. And as he looked out the front door, he looked to the left, and there he saw water starting to rush down the street. He grabbed mom and us kids. 
we all, you know, they, they, they threw us all in the, uh, he threw us all in the car and started to pull out. And as he pulls out of his driveway and starts to go down the road, here comes the water filling up the, the, uh, uh, the road and, you know, rising on the floorboards uh, of the car. There was nothing he could do to stop it. The water was rushing down the street, engulfing the houses, engulfing the car, engulfing everything that was in its way. We were surrounded by flood water. They were coming whether we wanted it to or not, whether we liked it or not, whether we thought it should or not, whether it happened the way we thought it would happen or not, those floods were coming and they had a mind of their own. No matter who you are, you will at times face turbulent times in your life. Every single one of us. And having faith in Jesus, being a Christian, does not prevent that. And when those times hit our lives, the time to prepare has passed. You ever seen the damage of a hurricane? After Katrina, we went down the Pascagoula, Mississippi, and we saw the utter devastation of a hurricane. Hurricane Katrina. Um, I was in Florida, uh, southern Florida, two weeks after uh, uh, Hurricane Andrew hit Homestead and, and the whole southern Florida part. The devastation is incredible. When you think about that, you know, people prepare, people board up their houses and all kind of would take all kinds of warning. But when the hurricane hits landfall or makes landfall, the time to prepare has passed. The time to prepare is now, not on some future date. How we survive will depend on how we've prepared our lives and on what the foundation of our life is. And our foundations will be tested. Not just at end times, but throughout our lives. The things, the trouble that comes into our lives, the, the, the uh, difficulty, the storms, the, the floodwaters and that, they come into our lives throughout our whole lives, test the foundation. And... and um, those times are going to come. Those times have come in many of our lives. And there will be more because we are not exempt from that. Now, speaking of the house that was built on a solid foundation of rock, Jesus said when a flood came, the torrent struck that house. When, not if, but when it came, it's going to come. Now, a torrent is, a vi is violent and forceful. It's not just rising water. It's not like, you know, you go fill up the tub, you turn on the spout, water just slowly rises up like that. We're talking about a rushing, violent torrent of flood water. Have you ever seen on the news where, a, you know, it can carry a house down the street. It can carry, push a, a, a house over a cliff. I mean, the torrents uh, uh, in our lives can be incredible. Storms like that sometimes strike suddenly with little or no warning. But because this house was built on a solid foundation, it wasn't shaken. It was able to withstand the storm. 
However, the other person's house didn't fare so well. Speaking of the house without a solid foundation, Jesus said the moment the, storm, the torrent struck that house, you see, the same storm <coughs> hit both houses. It, that, that storm, you know, that flood, that torrent of water didn't care that one was ready and one wasn't. When it strikes, it strikes. And at that point, the time to prepare is past. You know, we've, we aren't given the option of saying, oh, wait a minute, just hold off there. Um, you know, I'm not ready. And then Jesus said that the second house collapsed and its destruction was complete. Here's the thing. The things on which we are building our lives matter. Foundations are important. They determine our ability to withstand the torrents that come against us. Now, we're entering a new year. We have no idea what 2022 will hold. And, you know, we, we, we didn't know what 2020 was going to hold. We thought 2021 was going to be better, and in some ways and it was, and in other ways it was like, oh, no, here we go again. We don't know what 2022 is going to hold. We don't know what this year is going to hold. But I can tell you this. There will be times of struggle and difficulty. Just because I've never lived a year of my life without that. The word promises us that tribulation is going to come into every one of our lives. Now, it doesn't have to overwhelm us. That's the thing. We want to be ready. You may be in a season right now where, for the most part, things are going along fairly smoothly. You know, that can happen in spite of, you know, the, the, the pandemic and other things going on. You may be in a season where things are going along fairly smoothly with, you know, you don't have any major battles raging or maybe a few skirmishes here and there, but otherwise things are okay. But here's the thing, seasons change. Seasons change and tribulation comes. Maybe sooner, maybe later, we don't know. We don't know when it's going to hit. But it comes in every one of our lives. And the Bible tells us that before Jesus returns, we're going to face increasingly difficult times. And when those times come, if we are not prepared for it, if our house isn't built on a solid foundation, we could see everything collapse before our lives. You've seen it in people's lives. You've seen it in people's lives where they're going along and one thing, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Things happen that, would, that, 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 that are powerful enough to, to, you know, they hit you broadside, they, you know, um, and, 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 you know, it'll collapse even the, the, the strongest life. But you've also seen it where people have been hit and hit and hit and hit. And yet they remain unshakable. They remain strong. Is that because one person is stronger than the other person? No. It's because of the foundation of their lives. Foundations matter. So how do we, how do we build a proper foundation? How do we build a foundation that will enable us to, to, to stand strong no matter what comes into our lives? First of all, we settle the issue of lordship. 
issue of lordship. Got it settled, settle it, you know, right from the beginning. Who is going to be Lord of your life? Now, what do we mean by that? Who is Lord of your life? Well, you know, the term Lord means someone or something having power, authority, or influence. A master or ruler. We need to settle that issue for our lives, and only we can settle it. No one else can settle it for us. How are we going to determine the decisions that we make in our lives? Who or what is going to have the final say? That needs to be determined up front once and for all. Otherwise, our houses, our lives are always going to be on shaky ground. Because, you know, if one part of my life, Jesus is Lord and determines all my decisions. But in another part of my life, I'm making decisions by how I feel. And then another part of my life, I'm letting pressure from society determine for me what's right and what's wrong. And then another, another uh, uh, part of my life, a family member. You know, if that's how I make my decisions, then my life is going to be a vulnerable mess. Think of this. Think of a house. Okay, let's think of a house and think of all the things that maybe you wished about your house. Let's say you're in your bedroom at night and you're thinking, man, I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I really want something to eat. But I don't want to go downstairs. I don't want to get, get, you know, go downstairs to the kitchen and fix something. I wish I had the refrigerator up here in our room. Okay? So you build a house with a refrigerator in the bedroom. Okay? And then it's bowl season. You don't want to miss any bowl games. And why do they have to put a bowl game at 6 o'clock at night? Or, you know, it's dinner time when, you know, why, why, I, we got to prepare dinner and, and you know, the, the, the stove's in the kitchen, the oven's in the kitchen, and the TV's in the living room. You know, I'm going to build the house with the stove and the oven right there in the living room so I can fix my dinner and I can do all the cooking while I'm watching TV, while I'm watching a bowl game or the oven that I bake cakes with. I'm going to put him in the living room so I can watch a bowl game. I know that's what you were thinking, Ellen. You were so involved in the bowl games, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch your Rose Bowl yesterday? No, because you were probably busy baking in your kitchen. Okay. And then, you know, have you ever been to the, ever been a time where someone knocks at the door? You're not expecting anybody, but there's a knock on the door and somebody comes to visit you. And you're hoping they just don't walk out into the kitchen because you haven't felt like doing dishes for two days. And they're piled high. And, and that's so you know what? I'm going to put the sink and I'm going to put the dishwasher in the basement so that when somebody comes over, nobody sees it. Can you imagine a house like that? I mean, the case for each one of those things sort of makes sense in a way, right? The case for one of those, each of those things. But any architect or builder that would design or build a house like that would not be in business very long. I mean, how would you like to live in a house like that? It would be a mess. 
When you consider the big picture, what you'd have is a disaster. Or maybe this. You ever been to the beach? Who here has been to the beach? Any beach. Okay. It's beautiful, isn't it? Whether it's a beach on a big lake or whether it's a beach on the, on, on the, on the ocean, whatever it is, beautiful. The sand, the palm trees. Now, Lake Michigan's not going to have a palm tree. I'm thinking more like Florida or Costa Rica or someplace like that or, you know, Southern California. And you think, you know, I love this view. This is the view I want to retire with. So I'm going to retire right here. I'm going to have a house built right here, and I'm going to retire here, and, and I, 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 I'm building my house right here. You know, so often that's the way we live our lives. Based on what's convenient, based on what feels good, based on what looks good, Instead of listening to a master builder who sees the whole picture and say, no, you really want the, the, the sink and the dishwasher in the kitchen. You really want the stove, you know, in, in the oven, in the kitchen with it, you know, and you really want, you know, this here and that here and, and that, you know, we base our decisions on, instead of looking at the whole picture, we base our decisions on what seems good at the moment. And we cherry-pick Bible verses and put them on our refrigerator, but we completely ignore those things that the Bible says that we don't want to hear regarding our lives. Things like, you know, what God says about our sexuality, what, you know, how we handle disagreements and conflict, or, or how we talk about other people, or how we respond to, to, to offenses that come our way. In those areas, we don't want anyone telling us what to do or what to believe because we know best. I mean, this is where our society is right now. But if we want our lives to be built on a solid foundation, that will withstand the torrential floods that come crashing across or crashing against our lives. We need to settle the issue of who is truly going to be Lord of our lives. Who we are going, who is going to be the master builder? Who is the one that that you know we are going to listen to with a heart to obey? That's what Jesus is talking about here at the beginning of this passage when he said, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say?" That's what he's talking about. We need to settle the issue of who is Lord in our lives. Once we settle that issue, then we need to do some work. We need to dig deep. Dig deep. Get into the Bible for ourselves and see what it says. Don't just rely on what others tell you. Don't just rely on what culture tells you or society tells you. Begin to dig deep yourself. Begin to value God's Word. Value it. The more we value God's Word, the more we will be in it. I love what King David wrote. He discovered the value of God's word. He said in Psalm 19, he said, The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Think about that. 
Think about that. More precious than gold. God's word is more precious than, than you know, the, 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 the largest bank account you could imagine. Sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Sweeter than the, the, the best candy you could imagine. The best quality licorice. Sweeter than, better than, the, than even an Ellen cake. Sorry, Ellen, but <clears throat> that's how valuable God's word is. We need to know that. David discovered that, and, we, and, and so we need to, to value it and so we can dig down deep and then learn God's word. When we dig into God's word for ourselves is when we really begin to learn it. I mean, yes, we need others to share God's word with us and teach us, but we also need to be able to be, begin to look into it ourselves and see what it says. You know, there are some things that I was taught earlier on in my Christian walk that I was taught and I just thought, well, this is the way it is. And they showed me a few verses to, 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 uh, uh, to support what they were teaching me. And I, but I, as I looked into the Word myself and began to study it myself, I now hold different opinions. I know I hold different viewpoints. My doctrines, my beliefs have changed because I got into the word for myself to see what it was saying. In the book of Acts, we see Luke commended the Bereans for the way they eagerly received the message. They weren't skeptical of it. They weren't suspicious. or anything. They eagerly received the message that the Apostle Paul taught but then they checked it out in the scriptures for themselves. They've studied it themselves. Wow, this sounds like great news. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's, you know, I, I love it, but is it really the truth? Let's get into the Word and see it. Let's get into the Bible and see it for ourselves. That's what we see in Acts 17.11. Luke says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Because if it is true, it's life-changing. The gospel is a life-changing message. It's not that we want to be skeptical or doubt everything, but we do want to verify that what we're hearing is really in the Bible. When it comes to things like, you know, this series, as we're going to be talking more about, you know, things closer to the end, the end times, the second coming, you know, the overall focus of this series, it's important to know something. It's important to know, first off, that there are a number of different positions that are held by people who sincerely love Jesus and are committed to following him. For example, the Bible talks about a seven-year period of tribulation. There are some believers that believe that Jesus is going to come back and take us out of, take the church out of here at the beginning of that time, and we will escape those seven years. There are some, not as many, that believe that halfway through that time, he's going to come and take out the church. And then there are others, which I hold this camp, that the church is is going to be here for the period of the time of the tribulation. And when Christ comes back, he's coming back at the second coming, that there's not part one and part two. 
Now, and I've, that's one thing that I've, I've changed my view on because I was taught one way, and as I studied Scripture and studied history, that changed. Now, here's what we need to keep in mind, though. That is not a doctrine of which we would separate fellowship. We can, we can talk about our views, we can talk about them, but it's not one that is a dividing point to determine someone's salvation or whether they are really part of the church or not. It's not one of those issues. The, the, it's, it's not things which should divide our fellowship, but they are important because they do have consequences for our lives. So they're worth talking about, they're worth studying. So like the Bereans, we're going to look to see if what we believe, whether what we've been taught, whether it's, it's what the Bible actually teaches. So after we settle the issue of who we'll serve as Lord and we dig into God's Word, we'll see what it, you know, see what it actually says. Then we're, we take God's Word and use it as a foundation on which to build our lives. And that's the fourth thing. We build our life on God's Word. The fact is this, the life that isn't built on God's Word will eventually collapse. Building our lives on God's Word is not just believing the right things. You hear that? It's not just believing the right things. That's part of it. But it's receiving those things into our heart. Receiving His Word into our heart, embracing it, and letting it renew our minds and transform our lives. That's why James says in James 1, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Two parts to that. Doing the right things, believing the right things, you cannot separate one from the other. They go together. You know, a lot of people say, well, I believe in God. Anybody tell you that? I believe in God. And they think that's enough, though. But, you know, the truth is that's no more than what the devil does. He believes in God. He knows he's, true, he's real. He knows he's real. It's when belief is combined with trust and obedience that it makes a difference. God is both the, architector, the architect and master builder of our lives. He designed us. He created us. He knows the best way for us to live our lives and tell us, and he tells us that in his word. So ordering our lives according to his word is what will enable us to withstand anything that comes at us. The, 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 the strongest torrential flood, when we, when we order our lives according to his word, that, those things will still hit us, but we will stand strong and not be shaken. But when we start to think that we know a better way, when we start to think that, you know, I think God somehow made a mistake in how he made me because I was supposed to be this, and instead I'm this. Or that he doesn't know what he's talking about when he says he has a better way to live. But God, you don't understand the 21st century. Things are going on here that you just don't get. 
And yet, the, the, the book you gave us, yeah, it was okay for a while, but it's so outdated. It's so archaic. It's not with the times. We start to believe like that, and then our lives are headed for a collapse. We need to listen to God's word more than we listen to culture. We need to listen to God's word more than we listen to society. We need to listen to God's word with an ear to hear it and a heart to receive it, hands and feet to obey it. You know, a lot of people fear the end times when Christ returns. A lot of people fear it. A lot of Christians, even, you know, they may think, Lord, come back now, but it's simply because I need to get out of this place. And lives are governed by fear. People are intimidated and don't read the last book in this book. Because, oh, it's intimidating. It's scary. And I know that because I've been there. You understand? You see all this stuff going on, so we avoid it. This book, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, was not given to us to avoid it. Was not given to us to be intimidated by it. It was given to us to guide our lives, to give us life, to, to uh, 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 transform our lives. And the more we understand it and take it into our lives and incorporate it, the more our lives will be filled with joy and hope and an anticipation of that day when Christ comes back, no matter what precedes it. It's like it's, it's, it's an end. We need to have an anticipation of when Jesus comes back. Now, I'm not setting dates. I'm not even saying that, you know, he's going to come back within 100 years or 1,000 years. We do not know that. Nobody knows that. But if he came back... In two minutes, I want to be ready. Here's the bottom line. This year, 2022, it's time to do some building inspections. It's time to take a look at what is the foundation on which I'm building my life. time to take a close look at our foundation and ask what, what what is it really what is my life actually built on what's the core of what i believe what determines what i believe are there any areas of my life which need attention what do i believe about jesus return and what am i basing that on what's the bible say about it do i know have i read it See, here's an indication of our foundations and the condition that they're in. Whenever we see 
fear, worry, or anxiety in our lives, that's an indication that our foundation, the core beliefs, not what we say we believe, but the core beliefs on which our lives are built that we actually live by, need some attention. And you know, here's the thing. Every single one of us goes through times in our lives where we need to look at our foundation and maybe give some attention to those core beliefs that we hold. Because things can happen over time to try to erode and try to, to put cracks in the foundation. We need to make sure that that stays solid. The time to tend to our foundations, the foundations of our lives, the time to tend to that is before a storm hits, not during. You're also quiet. Here's the thing. I want us to be ready. I want us to get into God's word. I want us to know it. And if we get into it and we, you know, come out believing this thing or, you know, you believe this and I believe that, that's okay. But we're getting into it ourselves and let the Holy Spirit lead us and let the Holy Spirit teach us. Our culture is more and more trying to shape the church. Our churches should be shaped by Jesus Christ the architect and master builder. Let's stand. <coughs> it's a new year. A lot of possibility. There are so many things that I believe God has for us this year. So many things, you know. It's like whatever the enemy wants to throw at us, you know, our God is stronger than that. Let's not live 2022 in fear. Let's live it in faith, the one who's the master builder, and let's make certain that our lives are built on him and built on his word. Otherwise, we're going to be like that house with the dishwasher in the basement and the refrigerator upstairs and stove in the living room. It, it's not going to make sense. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this year, 2022, that you would help us this year to really look at and examine the foundations in our lives. Not what we say, but what actually is the foundation. The, the things that are determining. What's determining our decisions? What's determining our beliefs? What's determining our actions? We want to have solid foundations in our lives. Otherwise, whatever is above that isn't going to matter because it's going to collapse. But ground us in you. And then we know that whatever hits the, whatever hits the house is not going to be able to shake it. Because you are the foundation. Your word is the foundation. And there's nothing stronger. In Jesus' name, amen. Fall out your hands or just 
somehow be in a receiving posture. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go out and have a great week and a great start to the new year. God bless you.